well, you're not always conscious. You're, you don't always have the most awareness about how it is that you are getting those needs met or that you even have those needs. Um, you might think that you're doing something for an entirely different reason than what you actually are. Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another live episode of the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I'm Again, joined by my good friend, Kim West. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Kim, you do something very, very unique, and that's why I originally brought you on to the podcast maybe six to eight months ago now, but mm-hmm. you've kind of shifted gears a little bit, and now you are calling your business Navigating the Knot? Correct. Uh, briefly, just uh, update me on what's new and what you do uh, to help your clients navigate the knot. <laughs> Sure, I'd be happy to. So yeah, as you mentioned, um, I have a company called Navigating the Knot, spelled K-N-O-T, like tying the knot. Um, I started it now, I guess it was about three and a half years ago. Um, And I'm a consultant and coach, and I specialize really in the marriage and divorce process, which means that I provide clients nationwide with clarity and guidance on either end of marriage, from educating them on what they need to know before getting married, to advising those approaching, going through, or looking to recover from divorce. Um, And just as a little bit of context, um, so I have a law degree um, from the University of Colorado, um, and I went through a rough divorce myself. So I really started my business as an act of, you know, turning my pain into my purpose in order to help others navigate the divorce process and avoid making some of the same mistakes that I did. That's exactly what we covered on the very first episode um, when we chatted. And thank Mm -hmm. you again for spending the time with me today. Um, Yeah, definitely. And the last time we talked to you, you made it very clear that you're not anti-marriage, you're pro-education. Yes, Tell me more about that philosophy. I definitely believe that marriage can work. Um, My parents are a solid example of that. They're 43 years in, almost 44 years in now. um, And surviving quarantine just fine. Although my, my, well, they're physicians, so they're actually, (laughs) actually not really getting to quarantine. Um, however, yeah, I do believe that marriage can work and I've, I've seen wonderful examples of marriage working. Um, unfortunately though, it isn't, you know, that isn't the case for everyone. Um, and I am a prime example of that. Um, I never foresaw that I'd go through a divorce, never wanted to get divorced. Um, but it takes two. To make it work and unfortunately if one person is unwilling to you know work on things and move forward um, that's all it takes to, to break the marriage and stats are a little murky because each state in the US actually isn't required to publicly disclose their records of their divorce rates but it seems to be that the divorce rate is still hovering probably in the 40 40 percentage range um, somewhere in there between 40 and 50 percent Um, so it's definitely, it's still, um, an area of need, certainly, um, one that can be rife with struggle and pain and, and difficulty, which is why, you know, I really love to do what I do and support those who unfortunately are on that end of, of it not working. 
Mm -hmm. So what are people who anticipate getting married in the next 18 months experiencing right now? Oof, my heart goes out to them. Um, I've, you know, I've had very close friends now who have either, you know, postponed for a year. Um, I've had friends who decided just to, to kind of pull the plug on the wedding and just go to the courthouse um, and get married and plan on having a party at a later date. Um, I've seen, I've seen a lot of different shifts. Um, and so it's, it's rough. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's really hard. Um, and then the different vendors are also handling it all differently. So some people are, you know, have their deposits in, um, some people are struggling to get refunds. Um, it's, it's kind of runs the gamut. Um, so definitely a struggle. Um, if anyone is trying to, you know, hold a wedding, certainly during the time of the pandemic, um, or even plan a wedding for the fall. I know that, I have a couple of close friends um, that I, I worked with also on the client side doing a premarital consult with them. And they had a wedding planned in San Sebastian, Spain for September um, that I was really excited to attend because it was also going to be over my birthday. Um, and unfortunately, they've had to, to postpone for a year just because of uncertainty, um, especially on an international level of, of being able to travel. Mm -hmm. And speaking of travel, you've had an interesting couple of months also. Yeah. Yourself, so. Uh, we caught up last week and uh, we hadn't spoken in a while. So you came to, from Austin to Denver the week or two before shelter in place orders came down. Yep. Um, it was actually, let's see, I want to say it was the eighth or the ninth that I, I drove um, up back to, to Colorado and um, South by Southwest had just been canceled. Like as I was packing up the house <laughs> and so it was starting to become serious, but I don't think it had really hit yet. Um, but I remember viscerally, uh, Friday the 13th in March, um, I had actually gone snowboarding that day, which I'm, I'm really grateful I got to do because it was right before all the ski resorts closed uh, for the season. So I got to snowboard. Um, but yeah, it, that's when it really hit me that things were, were starting to get crazy. Um, I had gone to the store just to get some supplies and the whole paper products aisle was gutted <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just struck me as really eerie, the whole, mm -hmm. the whole experience, really surreal. And that's when I actually started to, to feel a little bit of panic just because when you see other people behaving that way, it triggers your own scarcity. Um, and so, yeah, that's when it, that's when it really hit me that this was going to be, you know, um, a big shift for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Are you impressed with how you yourselves adapted and other people have adapted in this time frame? Um, so I, I consider myself very fortunate, actually, um, that I didn't have to do much in the way of adaptation. <laughs> I, I've always been fully virtual um, as a consultant and coach. Um, I, I've always worked with clients nationwide. And so it's, it's made sense for me to always operate really over phone, Zoom, you know, social media, um, making myself available and, and being able to work with clients um, on that basis on their schedule. So, you know, given the nature of my work, whether it's premarital or divorce, um, my clients tend to be pretty busy. They're usually working professionals. And so they can't always, you know, drive across town and go to someone's office for a consultation. So it's always made sense for me to be virtual and they can just pop into their car over their lunch break or what have you, have some privacy and, and do a session with me. 
Um, so for me personally, um, I, I've been really lucky, um, frankly. Um, I've set up some additional ways of support that I'll, I can touch on later um, if, if any of your audience is interested, um, just to provide more free support to people um, navigating particularly divorce through this really tough period. Um, but apart from that, I haven't really changed how it is that I've gone about operating. Um, I have seen many, many, many friends of mine um, in the entrepreneurial ecosystem having to pivot. And I think it's been a bit painful, but at the same time, it's also been an opportunity. Um, and I think that the coach in me kind of loves that because you can always take, you know, something really difficult when it comes to change and view it as an opportunity for transformation and growth. And I think that this has been an amazing time for that to happen, for people to embrace, you know, sometimes against their will, but, but embrace technology, embrace what's possible and actually seeing like it is possible actually to do most jobs from home. It is possible to have virtual meetings and, and get stuff done. Um, so I think overall it's been um, a real awakening for a lot of people and for those who have had to pivot, I am, I've been really impressed because um, that, that takes a lot of work. It's, it can be very difficult. I know that you've done some pivoting and really you know, managed to, to thrive as a result of this. And so I just, I really respect that when I've seen that among my entrepreneurial peers. Yeah, same here, definitely, that we get out of our scarcity or our fear-based mindset and slide over or leap over into a, and that helps us stay future thinking in the moment right now but we're like okay i have a plan and a few steps in order to get there for mm -hmm. a date down the road but what can i also do to transition and pivot in this current uh current moment too right yeah definitely so what are people going through the divorce process experiencing right now <laughs> oh man um so it, it's rough it's really rough um and I think it, it certainly varies depending on where they are in the process. Um, you know, for those, there's certainly a big group who are unfortunately um, really facing, maybe for the first time in a while, the fact that their relationship is not working, um, that they are in a lot of conflict with their partner. Um, and that's because, you know, being quarantined together, you can no longer avoid things the way that you might have been able to previously. Um, it's really brought, brought to the fore, you know, all of the, the drama, the pain, the conflict, and any sort of maladaptive patterns that, that you have with your, your spouse and your partner, um, those can rise to the surface. So I've certainly seen, um, unfortunately, it, it is a trend that you'll, you'll hear about, um, or if you haven't already, that there are, um, there's going to be a spike in divorce rates as a result of the pandemic. Um, they've seen it in China already. And both myself as well as my um, colleagues in the in the sort of industry, um, if you will, are seeing that start to spike in terms of initial consults and that sort of thing. So, so among that cohort, that's that's really painful. It's really difficult, um, and I can't even imagine if you're also, you know, you're working remotely. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you're homeschooling kids, um, especially young ones. Um, adding that sort of strain and difficulty to a relationship um, when you're suddenly at home together all the time and trying to 
somehow distribute duties and and figure out how to navigate everything, um, it's just a huge stressor to be putting on the relationship. So I think as much as possible, if people are able to access any resources right now, you know, online counseling has become much more available. Um, which is amazing. But I'd say that that's, that's one sort of thematic area um, I've seen. Another is obviously if you're in the midst of the process, things are very up in the air right now. Um, a lot of the courts are closed apart from emergency hearings. Um, and as much as everything kind of feels like an emergency in the midst of a divorce, unfortunately, the court does not consider that to be the case. So in most cases, you know, things are on hold, which might include, you know, if you're if your partner isn't paying maintenance or, you know, child support, you know, that might be an issue right now for you. Um, you might be feeling really isolated. Um, you might be alone, you know, for the first time in a long time, um, especially if you just happen to, to separate prior to all of this starting. Um, so you, you know, many people are isolated and craving physical touch. Um, many people are single parenting for the first time, you know, ever. Um, at a very you know stressful moments um, and trying to work remotely um, and then you know post divorce also a lot of people are experiencing a lot of loneliness a lot of pain um, a lot of disease and un un you know just uncertainty around how to move forward how to date you know during or post quarantine there's just so much going on in in all of these spaces so i don't have a dearth of things to chat about <laughs> <laughs> that that's definitely obvious. So mm -hmm. we were talking about the spike in divorce rate uh, po being a possibility when yeah. um, the shelter in place ends. And I'm a part of a men's group, and I've I've already gleaned a lot of helpful advice from the community of men. There's about 50 men that meet virtually every week, and our mm -hmm. leader, an amazing podcast host that I've been following for a couple of years. He said, isolation equals amplification. Mm. And that's absolutely true. Like where the little things are starting to become very big things. Maybe, yeah. maybe we didn't mention how much the dirty dishes bothered us, but now we're <laughs> seeing the, we're stepping on each other's toes and we're starting yeah. to maybe see conflict arise around the little things because it's amplified through isolation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's the thing. I actually saw kind of a funny meme uh, earlier on in the quarantine about this. Um, I think my sister shared it, but basically the idea that you and your partner can create like a, a fake coworker <laughs> at home in your home office environment, um, call her like Karen or something and just say, yeah, Karen left the dishes in the sink again. Like, oh, Karen. And just to express how frustrated you are by something happening that is out of your control, but also kind of do it in a playful way that won't hopefully spike a fight. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's definitely a unique situation. For sure. And the little things around here, you know, we're in an apartment building, you got the chance to come visit me and we did our first podcast in, um, in person. Yeah. Uh, now that I remember it, it was right around your birthday last year. So uh, mm -hmm. that kind of gives us some time frame. Well, there's one unit in our building that really has no concern for his neighbors and really playing that music mm. often throughout the day pretty loud. I'm two floors up and I can hear it through wow. the cement walls. So, you know, that's just one of the little things where I'm experiencing some amplification mm -hmm. by being home. Shoot, like when I was working full time, I was gone 10 or 12 hours a day in big chunks, four to six hours at a time. And like, 
Right. I didn't know what my neighbors were doing all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, there, there are just so many weird things that are, that are being catalyzed by this whole quarantine. Um, and it's true, like things are triggering us um, in all sorts of ways, you know, as much personal growth as you've probably done <laughs> and we've all done. Um, it's, it's a reminder that this is a wave. Like it's always a wave. Personal growth is not like a linear progression as much as we want it to be. Um, and as much as we invest in it as if it is, um, it's, it's really, it's, a, it's cyclical. Um, it's, it's more of a wave pattern. Um, and all of a sudden we'll be in a different environment, new circumstances, something will trigger us and all of our old patterns will just rise to the surface and <laughs> rear their ugly heads. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a spike in cortisol, our mm -hmm. stress hormone. Yeah. We're, we're also seeing our coping skills put to the test. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing our attachment styles kind of rise to the surface as well. So uh, totally. if we've ever dealt with anxious attachment or avoidant attachment, and we thought we were secure, well, in a time of uh, increased cortisol, stress hormone, we're going to see us default back to um, our previously worked on attachment style. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all our, almost our subconscious trying to protect us, right? So it, it thinks that we are at risk. It thinks that we're, you know, we're under attack in some way. And so it throws up, you know, all of those defenses that, that we learned at some point in our upbringing um, or in our history of past relationships, what have you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing some gratitude. I'm experiencing some grief. I'm experiencing um, even more personal growth than I would have anticipated yeah. during this time because, because I'm not adding too much more to my plate, like a distraction of a new relationship or seeking out mm -hmm. a new relationship during this time. Sure. And you were talking, I think you were going to bring up dating during shelter in place, maybe for your divorces <laughs> or maybe for, uh, for family and friends that you've been chatting with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's been something that's come up. Um, and it's funny because especially around people going through divorce, I mean, most of my clients tend to come to me pretty early on in the process because that's, I, although I do, I work with people, you know, they'll sometimes come to me two or three years post-divorce. Um, but oftentimes I can be of most value to them if they come to me early on. I can save them time, money, stress, all of that. So most of my clients, you know, have been working with me as they've approached divorce, as they've gone through the process. And then, you know, post-divorce, I can do a lot of work with them with respect to, you know, identity, recovery, um, reframing the whole situation, um, goal setting, career transitions, what have you. Um, but a big piece then also becomes dating post-divorce. And although I am not a relationships coach, um, I stay in my lane there. I am, you know, marriage, divorce process. However... Um, I can definitely help in terms of, you know, some, some tips for how to get back out there, what to, you know, avoid doing maybe, or what to focus on doing. Um, and also, yeah, there, there's a big piece that I really like to make sure I'm, you know, addressing with my clients, especially if I've kind of shepherded them through the divorce process. And that's just not to dive back in too early, mm -hmm. um, which, which, tends to happen. You know, you feel alone, you feel, and, and then you feel this euphoria once you get that divorce decree and you feel like you're done and you're ready to heal and move on. Um, and you tend to be doing a lot of personal growth work. So you feel, um, you feel really complete and whole and in a great space. Mm 
Um, and so it makes sense that you would kind of dive in, you know, to, to getting into the dating pool again and everything. Um, mm -hmm. And it just tends to be the case that there's usually more work to be done first on yourself. Um, and it can only help you to, to kind of take that time and, and really respect that kind of period um, to do a little more work on yourself and pump the brakes on, on diving mm -hmm. back in too soon. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a common topic and I get it. Like I do get and respect that it is really difficult for people right now, particularly if you are in quarantine completely alone and, and not having any access, you know, to physical touch, particularly if that's your love language, you know, you know, your primary love language, that's just, that's so, so difficult right now. So mm -hmm. hopefully things will be, you know, opening back up soon and you can, find, you know, ways through massage and, and what have you to get that physical touch. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough topic while people are, are starting to dive back into dating. Thank you very much for sharing. That was phenomenal. Um, yeah, sure. I'm actually glad that I caught you today because I was just having a conversation with one of our listeners yesterday about uh, a guy that she's getting to know over text and over phone and things like that. And he's in the middle of a divorce right now. So maybe we can play, mm -hmm. uh, play support um, sure. here from yeah. both of our perspectives. And mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that jumped out at me, which is why I really want to address it for people who are listening out there, is she is a bit of a helper, kind of a healer, kind of a people pleaser Yeah. in her past. And she said to me, like, well, I want to keep talking to him because he says, I'm the only reason that he's getting through this quarantine and divorce process and that I've been a big help for him. Mm -hmm. So you can, um, you can help us with the divorce person side. Yeah. And then, uh, maybe give us some advice for our listener who is kind of stuck in the middle where she's in a really hard place of being support, but yeah. not necessarily needing to be in that role for her health. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a tough position to be in. Um, and I've, I've had very close friends who were in a similar circumstance. Um, and so it, it's tough. And obviously, no, no two situations are alike. Um, no divorce is alike. So anyone who's navigating that process, um, it can look very different. You know, sometimes their relationship with their ex, you know, or soon to be ex, if it's still ongoing, um, is pretty amicable and civil. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's incredibly toxic and complex and the ex is reaching out and getting involved in their, you know, new relationship. Um, sometimes they're co-parenting. Co-parenting is another really big hot issue, um, that, you know, that I'm helping a lot of clients with throughout this, this period of pandemic, because it's even more complex when, you know, health and safety are our top concerns. Um, not to mention homeschooling. I mean, there's just so much. So yeah, when you're talking about um, a relationship where, where one person is newly divorced um, or, you know, just navigating out of that situation, um, obviously one thing to consider is what are their particular circumstances? Um, what is the relationship that they have with their ex? What is that looking like? Is there going to be a lot of ongoing drama? Um, because if there is, that's something that I would just, for her sake, worry about. Um, that's not something that, you know, usually you want to invite into your life or choose to, you know, invite into your life. 
what can be tricky based on what it sounds like, she might be very drawn to that, to wanting to invite that into her life because of her gifts. Um, and so the danger there, obviously, um, and it sounds like this is something that, that could be starting to happen, but it's, I, I don't know the situation enough to, to go ahead and, and say that um, for sure. But one thing I'd be very concerned about is codependence developing, um, particularly when someone is kind of just ending a very committed long-term relationship, um, or at, at least a very significant relationship in their life. Um, and they are almost springboarding into the next relationship, which I've, I've done in my past, not, not post-marriage necessarily, but I've definitely done that myself. So I'm not pointing any fingers. Um, okay. But when, <laughs> when that tends to happen and someone's processing all of these complex emotions, going through a really difficult transition, um, it can be all too easy to, to really rely on another person. Um, for, for so many things um, that are really wonderful, that they're gifts, you know, being able to receive that sort of support and, and help through a really difficult time. Um, but at the same time, it's also, I guess it's enabling um, in a negative way because it's ultimately not serving the person who needs to heal, needs to do the work internally to figure out, you know, how to move forward um, independently in a way that's ultimately going to serve them um, to become more resilient going forward. Um, because you don't want to be fully reliant, you know, on another person. Um, ideally, uh, it's just, it's risky territory and you want to be able to be self-sustaining um, and coming at things from a healthy centered place. Um, that's, that's sort of the main tenant of coaching, <laughs> the goal. Um, and so that, that would be a big risk area that I'd be afraid of. And that's, that's common amongst people who are, um, you know, re-entering the dating world post-divorce, um, that they, they can jump the gun and tend to fall into codependency or, um, or they, yeah, are, are caught up maybe in comparison, um, comparison to their previous relationship with their ex, um, and sometimes, again, if you don't do the work on yourself first, you can make some of the same mistakes um, in terms of not spotting certain red flags or falling into something that feels familiar and feels good to you, but ultimately wasn't healthy for you in the past. Um, and you just don't have the perspective because you haven't really taken that time to kind of do that work on yourself and figure out what your negative patterns were. Um, you know, with your ex or in previous relationships and what you might want to, to look for or avoid or approach from a more conscious place. Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if that answered your question exactly, or if you'd like to, to give me some follow-up questions, but I try to cover <laughs> some areas of risk that I see there right off the bat, for sure. Yeah, definitely well said. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, we can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. And in this relationship where he might be springboarding out of a divorce and straight into um, maybe something on the other end of the spectrum that was a comparison against his previous relationship sure. and agree with you a hundred percent that that's an area of risk. Some people would casually call that a red flag. Uh, <laughs> but where we are not wanting to enter into a relationship is being that uh, crutch, that shoulder that they relied on, through the divorce process. And that would lead to your point of codependency of just like, what kind of a foundation have we actually built during shelter in place, during a divorce process, 
and coming from the perspective of the single person who has had the same pattern in their past of seeking out that type of an individual because it's familiar. Right. Because she's also going through her own stuff of a shelter in place by herself. She doesn't have a roommate, you know, like Mm -hmm. how are we getting our needs met going through divorce, sheltering in place, and also trying to form a partnership too. Yeah, totally. Yes. I mean, it's, it's really tough. And the thing is that, that all of this, you know, both, both divorce and quarantine, you know, all of the, the unique environments right now, they're periods of great uncertainty and great change. And when we are thrown into those sorts of, you know, dynamics or environments, um, it does, it triggers a lot of needs. You know, we, we have the, the six core human needs, right? And we all, you know, we all have them, but they can shift, especially during these really tumultuous times of, you know, divorce and or pandemic. Um, and so they can reorder themselves. And uncertainty tends to be a very, you know, high on the list. Um, when this is all happening, you, you have this need for certainty. And, um, and if it's not being met, um, you, you end up finding ways to meet your need for certainty. And maybe that is jumping into another relationship. Um, or maybe, you know, it could be a lot of different things. Um, and similarly, there's also the need for variety, you know, um, and that that's why some people are unfortunately, you know, turning to, to alcohol or, or something else to kind of numb, numb their emotions or make things more interesting because uh, quarantine and being in the same room for however many days is driving them crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are a lot of, of problems with, you know, choosing disempowering vehicles to meet those needs um, because you don't always have the most, um, well, you're not always conscious. You're, you don't always have the most awareness about how it is that you are getting those needs met or that you even have those needs. Um, you might think that you're doing something for an entirely different reason than what you actually are. So it's, it's definitely helpful to have, you know, objective friends um, who are willing to be honest with you or, you know, a coach, a counselor, some outside perspective to kind of help keep you um, accountable um, and hopefully also keep you uh, in a healthy place from a decisions perspective. Mm -hmm. And at this time and place, it's okay not to know Mm -hmm. for yourself. Like self-awareness is one thing, but immediately knowing what our needs are a week into quarantine, uh, we're probably not going to be spot on with that. To your point, Mm -hmm. we have to grow into it. And that's why I do love Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, safety and security at the bottom. Yeah. And the things are going to be really highlighted, especially safety and security. And, and I love your point certainty and, I also appreciate the point of disempowering habits and disempowering Mm -hmm. numbing features. Like, yeah, you can't selectively numb. You can't just numb work with a glass of wine or two at night. You can't just numb your relationship and keep work on point, you know, and now they're all shoved into the same four walls for six straight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. My needs have changed over the six weeks as well. Mm hmm. Definitely. And I mean, and then also throwing emotions into the mix. I mean, that's the other what thing. Are, that, what are that emotions? Are <laughs> what, that, what are, they're, they're all the things that we're smothering and stifling by, you know, scrolling on social media and streaming Netflix, watching Tiger King. Um, I finished yeah. Netflix yesterday. Now I'm on. Some... <laughs> yeah. You're on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I think I'm just going to dive into YouTube and finish that next. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. It's ambitious. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's a really weird time, hands down. Um, I think that even the most enlightened people are doing a lot of personal growth right now. Um, and there's a lot to be learned about yourself, um, as well as, you know, the people you love and care about. Um, and, and yeah, I think that as much as you can kind of just create space for yourself, um, and give yourself some grace and allowance to, to experience the waves to kind of, you know, know that they're going to be highs and lows and that's okay. Know that you are going to have some days where you are struggling um, and that that's okay, not to add judgment into the mix, um, to try to, you know, give yourself some time, maybe to journal, to like put your phone in airplane mode, to, to just take a time out from the information overload that we're all receiving, um, and maybe limit the amount of Zoom meetings you're doing per day, because Zoom overwhelm is also becoming a thing, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's just so much to process right now, and so it's, it's definitely, you know, something that we all have to kind of have empathy with ourselves for. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your community group call that you're doing for primarily divorcees, but uh, other people can join as well. Yes, definitely. I'd love to. Yeah. So basically at the outset of the pandemic, um, I think the first call I held was almost two months ago. Um, but basically I had this realization, you know, I'm working almost every day who are navigating this process. And as the quarantine began to set in and I saw all these new problems starting to crop up, whether they were surrounding co-parenting or being quarantined with a partner, maybe that you're getting divorced from, um, or maybe that you are very much on the rocks with, um, all of these pain points just began to kind of rise and, and really you know, express themselves um, urgently as needs. And I just recognized, you know, when I went through my own divorce, um, it was not during a period of quarantine or pandemic. Um, and I just found it to be so isolating um, and difficult. And it isn't to say that I didn't have support. I had a lot of really great, you know, support. But most of my, my friends, you know, had not been divorced at the point when I got divorced. I was 28 and, and had, you know, really didn't know what to tell me. They wanted to be there for me, but they weren't exactly sure, you know, how to support me. Um, and even when, you know, you have friends who have navigated divorce, everyone's experience is so unique that it often feels like you're very alone in your process, in, in what you are individually experiencing and struggling with. Um, and so with that in mind, with that sort of acknowledgement and awareness in mind, I wanted to basically create um, a safe space, um, an opportunity for people to come together um, and participate on whatever level they felt comfortable participating. So whether that's dialing in, not having video, not talking, just listening, that's totally fine. You're welcome. Um, please join. Um, but also, you know, if you do want to participate, if you want to have a sense of community, if you want to actually connect with other people who are going through what you're going through or have been through it, um, and might have some two cents to lend you about how they began making friends again, or how, you know, they navigated this particular situation. Um, the goal really is to just create a safe space for people to come and join and do that. Um, I usually talk about a particular topic each week, whether it's, you know, co-parenting during COVID, um, whether it's, you know, dating post-divorce. Um, it can be how to, you know, navigate quarantine um, on a healthier level. 
um, some tips, tricks, like things that have been, you know, beneficial for me in navigating my own divorce um, or in working with clients. Um, I also tend to open it up um, for any questions that, that people might have. And this is all free. Um, and I'm, I'm not, it's not something where I hold you captive in a webinar environment and start selling you. I promise that isn't at all what, uh, what I, you know, have as a purpose behind this. Um, I just wanted to, to create an opportunity for people, um, to feel supported, um, and know that, that, you know, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that said, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, um, I hold these Zoom community calls. Um, I can share the link with you um, or people if you want to connect with me on social media. Um, my Instagram, I have in my profile bio a link to the Zoom um, link. Um, I'm at navigating underscore the underscore not K-N-O-T. Um, and yeah, but tonight I'm actually going to have, um, in just a couple hours here, um, a guest expert, um, my good friend and colleague, Lindsay Mitchell of Vital Side. Um, and she's going to be really speaking about the stress response, um, what to do when your, you know, fight or flight response gets triggered, um, you know, in times of stress or uncertainty, which could be, you know, a divorce, but it could also be the pandemic. Um, so it definitely could be applicable to anybody right now. Um, and just, she's going to provide some tips and exercises for how to better manage that stress response so that you aren't, you know, just being triggered by it and, and kind of having the worst side of yourself come out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about having her on, uh, this evening and, yeah, would just love to be a resource to anyone. I also offer initial consultations if anyone needs any support during this time. So I just want to make sure that there are plenty of free resources for people um, who are, yeah, just struggling because we all are in certain ways and especially those going through divorce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. So you're a high power, high functioning entrepreneur. <laughs> on some days, on my good days. <laughs> How do you get support and um, how are you servicing your own needs in this time? Oh, this is such a good question. Um, and I, I actually recommend to many clients or prospective clients or just friends, if they're looking for a coach, make sure your coach has a coach. Make sure that they're drinking the Kool-Aid um, because it's, it's a bad sign if they actually don't believe in it um, enough to, to have a coach. Um, so I actually have two coaches right now. Um, I've heard, I've heard that Oprah has seven, so I'm still, I'm trying to catch up to her. <laughs> it's not yeah. a competition. Tim. <laughs> very, very few no, people can com compete true. with Oprah on the, right, on I'm the... not looking to compete. <laughs> I'm looking to emulate. <laughs> it's a very respectful admiration. Um, no, but yeah, so, so definitely coaching. Um, I, I think that a peer group also is incredibly important. Um, where, you know, you just have people that, you know, like respect, trust, um, perhaps, you know, in a similar space to yours, but also just people who are, you know, maybe fellow entrepreneurs, which is definitely the case for me. Um, so I have that peer group that I'm, you know, constantly, and we do a weekly video call. Um, and we also just do check-ins on WhatsApp to kind of hold each other accountable, but also vent, you know, if we're struggling, if something's coming up and we're feeling triggered. Um, we can rely on one another in that way. Um, so I definitely encourage people to take advantage of technology. Um, you know, we're, we're so lucky that, that this is happening at a time where we do have 
so many tools um, that we can use to support ourselves um, and each other. And so I'm, I'm very aware of that and grateful that that exists. Um, I just did a Zoom call with my family um, this past month because it was my brother and my dad's birthdays. Um, and it was just so fun to, to kind of bring um, the rest of my family into welcome them into Zoom. Because <laughs> not they're, they're all medical people. <laughs> it's not as, not as savvy when it comes to the, you know, technology or how we've all been holding meetings forever. Um, and so it was really fun to, you know, invite them into this, this world and to have this sort of interaction. Um, so I think that doing that with your family to the extent that they're willing to, um, using FaceTime, using House Party, there are a billion apps now. I think uh, Facebook is just about to start or has just started Rooms um, as a new feature that's basically rivaling Zoom. Um, but there are so many ways that we can connect. And I think connection is a huge way of getting support. Um, so that's definitely a big piece for me. Um, additionally, you know, moving your body. Um, I know that you'd resonate with that. <laughs> um, and if you need help moving your body, talk to Dave. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, I've been doing, you know, going out for runs um, as long as I can, whether allowing, um, doing at-home workouts, um, I know that there are a lot of really great resources for, you know, even just body weight workouts, no excuses. You don't need a equipment. You can still do things. Um, and even if it's just walking, you know, walk your dogs or just go for a walk. Um, moving your body is such, you know, such a beneficial thing to do for your, your mental state, for your hormones, all of it. Um, obviously, you know, trying to eat well. That can be a slippery slope for people during quarantine. The Cheetos are calling, but um, as much as you can try to eat, you know, eat well, it'll keep your immune system boosted, which is obviously important right now. And um, I also try to set boundaries for myself. I think boundaries is a huge piece um, that I often, you know, coach my clients on. But, you know, setting certain hours maybe where I am, you know, limiting social media use um, or I am dedicating time blocks to focused work on a task, you know, that I really want to accomplish for the day. Um, There's so many great apps. One of my favorite um, apps for productivity is Forest, F-O-R-E-S-T. It basically uses Pomodoros and it's free, um, but you basically, uh, every Pomodoro that you do, a 25 minute increment of focused work, um, it plants like a, a virtual tree. So you're building this virtual forest and it creates a natural reward system so that you're, you're building this habit and feeling like you're getting a little bit of a dopamine hit for doing it. But, um, but yeah, I think boundaries are huge. So figuring out what boundaries work for you um, are big. And I also, um, I've been doing a lot clearly. <laughs> I also have been waking up every day, you know, at 645 and I actually get dressed. Um, like I, I get dressed, like I'm wearing, fully, I'm not wearing leggings or nothing down here. Um, I, I actually get dressed and, you know, wear a little makeup as if I were going to be meeting in person with a client. And for me, this actually is just beneficial um, to make sure that I'm still feeling professional, that I still feel like I am coming to work and do a job and serve um, and not kind of falling down the slippery slope of lying on the couch and, you know, and half-assing <laughs> my, my work throughout the day. Um, so it really helps me get into more of a professional state of mind and feel better um, and feel more productive and like I'm getting things done um, if I choose to approach things that way. But that is not for everyone. That's just what's working for me. Keeping with the routine, 
is mm -hmm. has been a big piece of the puzzle for me. So yeah. although, although I dress in formal pajamas for my work day. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> I still shower every day. I still, mm -hmm. I still meal prep one day a week, even though nice. I could go into the kitchen and um, prep a meal on demand. You know, I just take, right. just take a break from work, you know, but, but that's not how I ran my life before. And mm -hmm. I am finding that I save myself even more time and more money right now yeah. by sticking to my meal prep program. Sure. Mm -hmm. No, I think that that's great. Getting a little bored on the recipes, but, <laughs> but you know, I can put my head down and, and deal with, uh, deal with it just for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So I know that your time is valuable, Kim. Thank you so very much for joining me and um, absolutely just kicking butt on this, uh, on this call, being honest and authentic and vulnerable with me. I appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. It's always, yeah, it's always an honor to, to get this time with you. Um, and I always enjoy our conversations. So thank you. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Absolutely. And let's not make it another nine months before we check in with each other. I know, seriously. <laughs> it won't Agreed. be because of a shelter in place order that makes us uh, reach out. That's true. And I'm back in Colorado now. So also <laughs> no excuses. Right. And I bet you're itching to get out and rock climb a little bit now that the weather is better. Yes. Although it's going to be really humbling. I think I'm going to have fallen. Um, yeah. A couple levels down um, in my, in my climbing ability. So yeah, baby steps, but I'll get there. <laughs> Give yourself some grace because <laughs> you know, a, we wouldn't be focusing on reaching the next level of a rock climbing goal uh, while yeah. we cannot rock climb, you know, so understanding that we lose skill and we lose some muscle mass and we lose some yeah. momentum when we're not making this choice for ourselves, mm -hmm. but we're doing the best that we possibly can Yeah, with the definitely. life in the hand that we've been dealt. So exactly. Yep. And that's the name of the game. It is. <laughs> All right, Kim. Thank you so very much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs> Hey guys, I feel like now is a good time to welcome a special guest. I have with me Jess. Uh, she has powerful message living with a chronic illness. Welcome, Jess. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. In two minutes or less, tell us your story. Okay, so very hard to fit it into two minutes, but I'll do my best. Um, basically, late 2018, I was diagnosed with multiple tick-borne illness after going about 10 months of trying to figure out why I was so sick and what was going on. Um, I ended up utilizing social media a lot to figure out what was going on with my own health. And then when I was finally diagnosed, I kind of felt the need to give back to all of the people within social media, all of the people who are dealing with not just tick-borne illness, but any chronic illness, because they're very similar in many ways. Um, give back to them basically by sharing my story. So I started doing that. And it's kind of amazing the community that I formed and found on social media. And then it was May of, oh gosh, 2019, where, so May is my birthday month. And last year I was pretty sick still and didn't really know what to do for my birthday. So I was like, I don't want any presents. I don't want anything to do for my birthday. I just want all of you guys to donate to a foundation that does, um, or that drives donations for tick-borne illness, for research and treatment of tick-borne illness specifically. 
So that's kind of when I came up with the idea of starting my own fundraiser, where I'm partnered with Global Lime Alliance. And it's every May, and I plan to do it for the rest of my life, honestly. (laughs) It's all online, so based around social media, drive donations for research and treatment with Global Lime Alliance is a huge foundation around the world that does things for tick-borne illness. So it's pretty amazing. I also got really lucky and I'm partnering with a bunch of brands who are helping do some pretty cool product giveaways um, that you will get entered in if you donate to the fundraiser. So it's going to be pretty cool. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And the reason why it's so important to build awareness around it is because it's hard to diagnose. Mm-hmm, correct. Tell us really quickly how somebody can get involved. Basically, the best place to get involved is to follow me on Instagram because that's where I'm going to be posting all of the directions on how to donate how to get entered into the product giveaways and everything. So my Instagram handle is at healing Jess with an underscore at the end. Thank you so very much, Jess. You have an upcoming episode on the podcast and I want people to tune in from now until then so that they can learn more about you on social media, your fundraising attempts through the month of May, as well as going deeper into your story. Thank you so much for letting me share a little bit of my story. I appreciate it.